0: guys, bear with me while I do the old switcheroo. Let's pray. All right, God, you're the greatest of all time. God, you never change, you never fail, you never back down, you never waver. God, you are perfect. You're without flaw. God, you're without flaw. Lord, our preconceived notions of who you are are often, so, so, God, so often jaded by our own reality here on earth. God, we compare you to human love. We compare you to human faithfulness. We compare you to human forgiveness. And God, we, this morning, just admit and confess that we are so jaded, God. God, this morning we look to You as the author and the finisher of our faith, the hope of all nations, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, You don't back down and You don't waver, Lord. We come to You this morning needing grace above all things, Lord. Your grace, Your great faithfulness through the work and person of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's all we need. So God, we won't put on any mask or we won't put on any airs this morning, God, that we need something else, God, Lord, that we, we need you plus something or, or, or the cross plus our good behavior or the cross plus our church attendance or the cross plus our offering or the cross plus anything else, God. We will just look to you, Jesus, as the Savior of the world, the only hope, the only thing that we need, and we love you for it this morning. In Jesus' mighty, precious, perfect name, amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be together this morning in a gymnasium worshiping Jesus? If you have your Bibles, go with me to James chapter 1. I'm going to read through the text, and then we will, we will start together. James chapter 1 verse 26 is where we're going to start this morning. James chapter 1 26, it says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious... And does not bridle his tongue. He deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion is this, that you take care of the orphans and the widows and you keep yourself unspotted from the world. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be the rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But if you dishonor the poor, man, do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you have been called? I'm going to read this and we'll get after it. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Just a little bit more reading. Hang with me. For all who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the ones who show no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Somebody say, thank God. Mercy triumphs this morning over judgment. If we go back to the very beginning, I wanted to read that so you could kind of get the whole picture. And now we're going to break it down verse by verse. James 1.26 he says, if anyone, thinks you, if anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. How many this morning can honestly say, when you hear the word religion, you're just kind of like, anybody other than me anyways. <laughs> so, so you hear the word religion, you're kind of like, I'm good. Well, well, here James isn't speaking of religion as we think of religions as a list of rules and do's and don'ts and putting God in this traditionalized box. That's not what he's talking about. You could better translate that word religious in the Greek as worshipers. So, so let's read it this way. If anyone among you thinks he is a worshiper and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's worship is useless. useless. It's useless. Check this out. James is starting this instruction off by addressing those who are full of hot air. Neither James nor Jesus were ever fond of believers who talk a good game but have no follow-through. Through the teaching of Jesus and pretty much every other New Testament writer, you see a disdain for false religion. Arrogant hypocrisy does not stand with God. God loves the dirty, broken, abandoned, and wants to bring them back into his home. He wants to care for the comfortless this morning. That's what God wants to do. But to the arrogant hypocrite, he wants to vomit you out of his mouth. Say, man, that's kind of strong. I know. I had to read this before I had to preach it, right? So through the teaching of Jesus and pretty much every other New Testament writer, you see that there was a disdain for false religion hypocrisy, a frustration with arrogance and a hatred for pride. And most of this is made evident by our tongues. I want you to hear this. The things we often say put our core values on display for the world to hear. Hear that again. The things that come out of our mouth often put our core values, what really matters in our hearts, what really really grabs a hold of us, the things that we would die for, those things eventually come out of our mouth, and it puts on display for the entire world to see who we really are. So this morning I want to ask you, knowing that your tongue is in direct connection to your heart, is your heart a heart of worship? Because listen, we want to war this morning for purity in our worship. We want to live a standard of active worship that isn't tainted by the tongue that can't be bridled. And I'm, I'm going to meddle for a second. I'm just going to get... We're all just going to walk through this together and, and, and if it hurts, it just, it'll be good healing. Gossip. I want to make this practical. I want you to be able to grab this with me. Proverbs 21, 23. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. This morning, if, if you engage, if we engage with gossip... Man, I I love this. This is probably my favorite phrase that gossipers use. I use it so I know other people who gossip use it because I sometimes stumble into the sin of gossip. They'll say this. I love this. Hey, it's true, right? So it ain't gossip. I mean, it's true. So is it really, everybody knows around town, right? It's true. So is it really gossip? That's one of my favorite lines. Listen, keep your mouth from gossip. I want you to hear, and you may have heard this before, the proper response for gossip like the, the proper response for calamity, the proper response for brokenness around us, the proper response from somebody around you that you love, maybe sinning or walking in sin or a family member, this is the proper response rather than gossip. So if you're a gossip this morning, if you struggle with that, if you deal with that, if, if that's something that keeps you back from having pure worship with God, if it's, if it's your tongue, here's the remedy. Nehemiah 1, 3 through 3-6. You can just listen. It says, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. Here, this is a report coming back to Nehemiah. He's hearing about his homeland. He's hearing about the walls in Jerusalem. They've come to great shame. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates are destroyed by fire. Now, now at this point, mo- most people, that would be the point where they call somebody, right? Did you hear about Jerusalem? Those fools had the walls burned down. I knew, give it six months, and it would happen, right? Like, like that's the typical response. You hear about this Jerusalem kind of peril, even in our own lives, and we're quick to call others. We're we're quick to include others to observe other people's calamity. But this was his response, and I, I love this response. I want you to grab this response and keep it as your own. He said, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah Nehemiah shows us the most beautiful picture of a response to gossip, where we have the opportunity to pervert our worship before God with gossip. Nehemiah says, hey, why don't you fast for him? Why don't you break down and just weep for him? Why don't you pray for him and just close your mouth? Right? All right. Number two, uh, lying. Colossians 3, nine lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man and his deeds. This is another way, and I want to give you some practical things you can grab onto so you can say, okay, this could pervert my worship. Is everything done and by for me? Is everything done through the mercy and work of Jesus Christ? Yes, but can I stiff-arm God? Can I, can I pollute my worship? Absolutely. So I want to give you some practical things where you can say, man, I don't want to gossip. Not because I think God will get mad at me or he'll be ticked off at me or he won't let me into heaven. No, absolutely not. His love won't change. But you can pervert your worship. So don't gossip. Then lying. Don't don't lie. Number three, death. The Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. We have the opportunity with our mouth to speak death over things to carry with us a negative attitude that is pessimistic and speaking death over stuff. The Word warns us, listen, don't gossip, don't lie, and don't speak death. Don't pervert your worship. So what can we do with our mouths? Praise. Psalm 34, 1-2 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We can praise like switch some of those instead of gossip go to praise go to praying not only praise we can also it, it's the proclamation of the gospel mark 16:15 and he said to them go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation in life proverbs 18:21 again death and life and then the power of the tongue you have the power through the blood of Jesus Christ this morning Scripture says that you were baptized into His likeness, that you were given the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Therefore, you have the power this morning to speak things to life in Jesus' name. You can speak life into people. Man, your words this morning, if you hear me saying anything this morning, your words are important. Like we only get so many So let them not be objects that pervert our worship and pervert our connection with God. Rather, let it be things that that we use to proclaim the gospel, to praise His name, and to speak life into everyone around us. Our words are the tools that God in His faithfulness has ordained to call people to Himself. Scripture says, how can they hear without a preacher? Our words, how incredible is that? That the God of all creation, who in an instant breathed out humanity, right? He, into dust, and humanity was here. We were here. That God chose to use flawed, ridiculously foolish men and women to speak life to other people that he cared about. How incredible is that? How beautiful is that picture that the God of all creation who doesn't need us, but he wants us, and not only does he want us, but he wants to incorporate us into his story for his glory forever and ever. All right. Our words are the tools that God in his faithfulness has ordained to call people to himself, to encourage his bride, to warn the drifting, to comfort the hurting, to convict the careless, to praise his name forever and ever, and ultimately proclaim his gospel. We cannot afford to be careless with our words. Can't afford to be careless with our words this morning. Let's move on. James 127. It says pure and undefiled religion is this: that you take care of the orphans and the widows, and that you keep yourself unspotted from the world. It it might say, religious perfection is this, that you care for the helpless and the hopeless, and you keep yourself unspotted or unstained from the evil in the world. James specifically speaks of orphans and widows because those were two of the most destitute people groups who could not offer any form of glory for helping them. There could be no praise, there could be no glory, there could be no restitution. And let me just say this. When we talk about orphans this morning, there's going to be more talk in the coming weeks about orphans and caring for orphan care. I love Romans 8 when it reminds us that we were once orphaned. We had nobody. We had nothing. We had no strength or power on our own to get to God. We had nothing. But God, in His great faithfulness, in His perfect love, pursued us by grace, allowing His Son, like Colossians said, to be crushed so that the Godhead might be satisfied, that in Him all the fullness should dwell. God allowed His beautiful, perfect Son to be crushed so that He could say, Welcome home, sons and daughters. You're not orphans anymore. Welcome home, sons and daughters. You're not lost anymore. Welcome, so, welcome home, sons and daughters. You're not shamed anymore. Welcome home, sons and daughters. Welcome home. This is good news this morning. That we don't have to be wayward anymore. We don't have to be drifting anymore, but we can be home with Christ. He goes on to say, keep yourself unspotted from the world. You've been given a new name a new life, a new heart. Scripture says that, that He's taken out of us the heart of stone and put in us a heart of flesh that beats for Him and His glory and His renown. Your whole life has been sent on a different trajectory. Your whole life was once pursued us and, and the end was really, really bad. God and His goodness adopted us as His own and He set our entire lives on a different path for His eternal glory and our eternal good. And I'm wondering this morning, let me... Keep going. James is merely pleading with the church to keep the world at a place in our lives where we can leave a mark on it, but it can't leave marks on us. Don't be spotted. I had to write that down because I was like, man, that's definitely Holy Spirit. I'm not smart enough to come up with that. So God wants us to keep the world at a place to where we can leave a mark on it. That we, like he says in Corinthians, we can be the ambassadors for God, the fi- His fingerprint. He wants us to keep the world in relation to our life at a place where we can leave a fingerprint, and we can leave a mark on it for His glory and His renown, but that it won't leave us marked up. And that's what I mean by that. I'm not, you think, well, man, I'm pretty marked up. I've, I've been through th- some things, and I've wrestled through hurts. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it can't win. It can't own you. It can't be. You've been given a new name. You've been given a new life. You've been sent on a new trajectory. You've been adopted into the family of God by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity now to leave your mark for Christ all over this planet on your kids, on your friends, on your family, at your workplace, in your school, on your sports team. We have the opportunity, undeserving men and women, to stand in the ministry of Jesus Christ and be his hands and feet to a world that desperately, desperately needs it. Because who's gonna tell them? Who's gonna love them? And I'm serious when you say, TJ, you, you you seem a little angst. I am angst because I think who's gonna hug the smelly man at the bus stop that nobody wants to talk to? God, let it be me. That needs to be our heart. Because he goes on to say partiality. You say, TJ, don't talk about smelly people or people with AIDS or or yeah, like let's get into that. Why are we loving? Are we extending beyond ourselves and our own prejudice? Gosh, I could probably, for for some of us in the room, I could probably stop at at, at, at orphans and AIDS and just say, will you hug someone of a different race? Will you bring them into your home and feed them and treat them like a brother and a sister? If not, man, you're shameful. Shameful. You say, TJ, you're... you're That's intense. That's intense. And because we've been given the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, we have no right no longer. As believers in him, we have no right to hold on to any prejudice. We have no no right to hold on to any partiality this morning. If you sit there and you're justifying it in your mind, man, you're blowing it. We have no right. He has called us to extend love and care to every single person. I might have killed off like 20 of you guys, but I, don't, I promise I don't care. I promise. I'm not a fearmonger and I'm not going to tell you that, that Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I am going to tell you this, that until he comes, we're called to be his ambassadors. His ambassadors don't see color. His ambassadors don't see who's got money and who doesn't have money. His ambassadors don't see those things. His ambassadors see two things, lost and found. And they are busy about making this category very, very small and this category very, very full. And outside of that, we have no rights in Him. Ouch. All right. I pray... Now that you take them, not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. It was a direct commandment of Jesus that we would go and make disciples. That you and I would follow out in his footsteps. So this morning... I want to flip the script for just a minute because we mentioned the the poor and, and, and I, let, let me just let me let me read on James two one through four. Just stick with me for a second, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. If there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there also come in a poor man with filthy clothes and And you should pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand here, sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? There is no partiality in kingdom work. No poor, no rich, no black, no white, no addict, no perfect, only the lost and found. So this morning, how glorious. How glorious is a gospel of no partiality the porn addict and the adulterer, the Sunday school teacher and the deacon, the greedy and the humble can pull up a chair to the table of King Jesus and be healed. That's the gospel of no partiality. This morning, my my question, the thing that that together I, I would love for us to grapple with, have we allowed God to do that work in our heart to where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Because before we can ever move to here, I, I want to say this, before we can ever move to, to delivering a gospel of no partiality, you this morning have to realize who you belong to. That, that you don't have to carry shame or guilt Anymore that your past sins like we you need to understand this morning that you are alive in him and that not not only are you just some saved person that that wants to do good things, but you've been empowered by the gospel to do the gospel work. You are a prized child of the king this morning. You're beautiful in him. You say, man, but I've got all these scars. I've done all this stuff, man. I've messed up. He knows and he still loves you and wants you. He loves you. And he wants you. This more ask yourself, do, do I know who I am in Christ? Like, am I persuaded? Am I convinced that I've been adopted into his kingdom? And if you can answer yes to that, then I would challenge you to ask yourself the question, am I living a life of mercy to where every opportunity, every... And I'm, This isn't guilt, this is truth. Like every opportunity, God, am I I putting your fingerprint, am I putting your mark on creation around me or am I allowing the world after you've saved me to mark me up and make me ineffective in the work of the gospel? Ask yourself this morning, man. are my words of praise and proclamation of the gospel in life or are my words gossip and death? And if they are, repent. He said he'd refresh you and convert you and that all your sin would be blotted out. You'd be blameless and spotless. You are his this morning. We got that? Go like this with me. The universal yes, son. Yeah, we got that. All right. You're his. You're adopted. Now you get to look like him and be like him and show no partiality but only mercy, only grace, only the cross. Let me pray for you and we're going to have a time of response. Listen, during during our time of response this morning, man, like this is a safe place. Like I want you to say that. I know a lot of times church doesn't really feel like the safe place. But this morning, they, they, we're family, and, and if you need to pray, if you need somebody to pray with, like we've already mentioned earlier, but our prayer team, is, is, they're gonna, some of them are going to sit in these black chairs over here. And if you need prayer, if you want somebody to pray with you, they'd love to pray with you. If you want to come and, and, and kneel at the front or in your chair or go stand in the back and just worship and, and, and do business with God, you are welcome to do that. This is a free environment. It's a free service. As they lead, let's respond to God this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for an opportunity to, to know you and to make you known. God, thank you that God, you adopted us into your kingdom and, and you purified our entire lives and you've given us the opportunity to, to speak life, to use our mouths as trumpets of joy and glory for your name and your renown. So God, I pray that you do work in our hearts. God, please do work in my heart that we might look like you, God, and we might. Claim your gospel to all nations. We love you. And we need you in Jesus' name. Amen.